Well, it is so good to see each of you on this beautiful day that we have before us. Many of you have gone to school sometime during your lifetime. How many of you have went to school, graduate, as we would call Lizzie, graduated, and uh, then for whatever reason, after a period of time, went back to school? Anybody like that? Several. Several. Okay. All right. Is it different Different when you go back like that? What are some of the things you've got to overcome going after being out of school, going back? What are some of the things? You have family this time going around? Okay. You're not younger. Workload. Family. Okay. Those are the, some of the things that you face when you go back to school. And, you know, a lot of times, many of us, when we get, finally get out of school, we said, man that's, man, that's great. Preston was telling me this morning that he's hoping by this time next year, he will be finished with his master's. And I think he's looking forward to that, you know, uh, being done with that. But, you know, when we're in school, there's certain responsibilities and there's certain things that we must do. And so as we've been talking about in the book of Genesis, we've been talking about Abraham and we've been talking about the school of faith. Now, the school of faith is, is, is something really is children of God. We all should be going through in the sense of learning what we need to learn to be the faithful uh, people that God has called us to be. So being of the school of faith. We talked about last week with Abraham's life. You know, in school, there eventually is a test that comes along. And, 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 and sometimes those tests can be challenging. And Abraham last week, he had three tests and uh, he passed one. Uh, but uh, by the grace of God, he was able to get through and do what God wanted him to do. And the same way with us. Uh, sometimes if it wasn't for those professors sometimes, uh, maybe giving us a second chance or is what we used to call grading on a big curve, uh, you know, allowed us to, to continue. But, you know, also in life, God wants us to mature in every area of our life. Now, this opens another, cat, uh, another can of worms in the sense, you know, maturity doesn't always come easy. One person said, there can be no growth without challenge. And there can be no challenge without change. Did you hear me? There can be no growth without challenge, and there can be no challenge, uh, yeah, no challenge without change. If circumstances never changed, everything would be predictable And the more predictable life becomes, the less challenge it it presents. Now, let's put it this way. How many of you have already planned out your week for this week? How many of you have planned it out? All right. I see a few hands. First service had more. Okay. Uh, Now, those of you that have planned out your week, and I think there's more than, than raise their hand, Will your week go exactly the way you planned it? Kristen, does it does it go that way, Kristen? (laughs) Okay. 
what would happen if your week would go exactly like you planned it every week? Praise God. Praise God. That's right, brother. Praise God. Praise God. But would that get boring after a while? No? What's that, Preston? Extraordinary boring. But you know, on a given, like tomorrow, you've got your week planned out, and for many of you, you've got in your mind what you want to get done tomorrow, right? And we've already determined there's a good possibility not everything you've planned to do tomorrow is going to happen, right? We hope, but we know that. Many times Kathy would say, Frank, what do you got today? And I said, well, I've got this, this, and this, but I have no idea what's really going to happen today. You know, in life, we never know the circumstances that we face. You know, we, we think, okay, tomorrow I've got this, this, and this, and this. But, you know, sometimes someone won't show up for work, or this will happen, or that will happen, and everything changes. I mention all of that because as we think of the school of faith and having faith in God, life is full of uncertainty in it. It would be great if everything went the way we had it planned out, but the, the life of faith presents challenges. But what happens when those challenges happen? You know, do we keep going or do we grow from those challenges? I want you to see that in Abraham's life, not everything went the way Abraham thought. And you know what? That's the same with us. Not everything goes the way we think it will go. And so this morning, <laughs> I'm going to have you turn to a passage of Scripture. We're not going to read it, but you're going to look at it. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. And the reason I said that, in Genesis chapter 14, we have the names of five kings who live on the land, the valley, the choice piece of property. Then we've got a list of four kings who basically has an agreement with these five kings, and this agreement has gone on for 12 years. Everything was fine, but these five kings decided after the 12th year to rebel. So these four kings said, okay, if you're not going to do what we've asked you to do, these four kings decided to attack the five kings. Now, just in number, we would say, well, hey, five kings should have this. But we find that the four kings attacked the five kings and the four kings won. That's what Genesis chapter 14 is telling you, okay, with all those kings' names. If you can't sleep tonight, read those. Okay? Now, here's some interesting things. Five kings, they rebelled. Four kings attacked them, okay? Now, here's how bad it was with these five kings. They rebelled, didn't want to do what these four kings wanted to do anymore. But these five kings, when they got attacked, they didn't even know, they didn't even know about their own land. But in that chapter, it tells you about that some of those five kings led their people into a slime pit or an asphalt pit or a lime pit, whatever you want to call it. In other words, it wasn't good if the kings don't know what they're doing. They didn't even know their own land well enough to not lead their people into danger. And they led their people right into danger. Isn't it amazing sometimes when life 
sometimes happens and, and things happen and we just, it's like we, we lose our heads and we no longer know what we're thinking about. Here, those five kings completely just, just lost it. And those four kings came and took over the five. Now, I want us to think about Abraham. During all of this, Abraham was living his life. Here again, things happened he had no control of. I want you to think with me about three things in Abraham's life this morning. First of all, he was a watcher, he was a warrior, and he was a worshiper. The reason I mention this battle, because in Genesis chapter 14, this is the first battle or uh, um, war that is mentioned in the Bible. This is the first battle or war mentioned in the Bible. And so we see this take place. Now, here's Abraham. At this point, he's a watcher. You know, it's kind of like us today. We are watching events in our world. We see things happening in our world. We would like to believe they don't affect us. But something inside tells us, even though it's thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away, that it could affect us. At this point in Abraham's life, he was watching this. And as he watched, it, watched this, he knew that there could be something that, that takes place. Well, guess these five kings I mentioned ago? Do you know a, a, man, a man that lived with them had, that had a relationship with Abraham? Remember who that was? Lot. Lot lived in Sodom. One of those five kings was the king of Sodom. You see, when they visited their Lot, well, he liked that city. Because as a man living of the flesh, it gave a lot to him, and he enjoyed that. Well, here's Abraham. He was watching these events take place, and he got word that his nephew, or his Abraham looked at Lot as his brother in the Lord was a prisoner. Now, again, here was Abraham living his life and, and circumstance changed. And so what is he going to do? We find that as Lot was captured, I want you to see something else. I believe Lot was captured in the way that he was so that Lot had an opportunity from God to see that God was saying, Lot, you don't need to keep living like this. You're living of the world. But, you know, have you noticed, you know, we talk a lot about addictions. I believe we can get addicted upon this world and the things that come from this world and think that we have to have those all the time. Lot was like that. And God was trying to show him, hey, Lot, this is your chance. Even though you've been, you, you, you are now a captive, I'm going to send someone to free you. I, I, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get out of this. But haven't you seen where the powers of this world are so strong, sometimes people don't want to give them up. And you know what? Every one of us at some time in our life has walked that road. The things of this world sometimes can be very powerful. Or should I say, addictive. And here, God was trying to get his attention. 
He was trying to get his attention, and yes, Lot didn't like it, but God was trying to get his attention. You know, in our world sometimes, God's trying to get our attention with events that are taking place, but we're so hard-headed or we're so locked in that we just don't listen or we say, God, I'll, I'll handle this. So now we find that Abraham is no longer a watcher, but now Abraham becomes a warrior. And so in Genesis chapter 14 and down to verse 13, you see where Abraham begins. He, Abraham, you see, was, was separated. He, he was not isolated. He was independent. And, 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 and here we find that Abraham now becomes that warrior. Now, while believers must not compromise with the unsaved in matters of spiritual walk and ministry, we need to look at this in the way how God does things. Remember Joseph of the Old Testament? Life wasn't fair for Joseph, was it? If you look at it from a human sense, Joseph served in Egypt, but God used him. And he used him to preserve his family and also the Jewish nation. What about Nehemiah? Nehemiah served a heathen king, yet God used the authority and the resources of this evil king to allow Nehemiah to rebuild Jerusalem. Isn't it amazing what God can do? Esther, in the Old Testament, was married to a Gentile ruler, but God used her to protect the Jewish people. You see, Abraham here was going to become the warrior, but God was using him to give Lot one more opportunity to get him out of the area that he didn't need to be in in his life, and Lot wouldn't do it. But Abraham got his people together because he said, Lot, my brother, is in trouble. Now, it's interesting here that as Abraham got his people together, you know, it's to look at our own lives and, 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 and to see how we need to have that spiritual realm or that spiritual victory over the world. So Abraham got his army together. One of the first things to note, if you look at verse 14 of chapter 14, verse 14 of chapter 14, it says, he got those that were born in his house. Spiritually speaking, he was whatever is born of God overcomes the world. You heard that before? We find here that what Abraham did, he said he got the 318 men that he knew that were, that, were, that were born in his house. In other words, not only were they born in his house, they had a relationship with God, and Abraham had showed them that. You see, we all have been children of Adam, and because of that, we're a loser. But our second birth makes us children of God if we accept God. And Abraham took his men that were men of God, and that was the first element of his army. The second element of his army was that he armed them. Now, I, I know you think, well, that, that's weapons and that's violence. But as a child of God, I want us to know today that we are in the midst of a war. And we are in the midst of a battle. And as children of God, God is saying, look, I want to arm you with what you need. I, I want to give you as a soldier of the Lord the whole armor of God and to use it as a spiritual well, weapon. 
Now, the two things that I believe God gives us as weapons as the children of God is, one, the Word of God and prayer. The Word of God and prayer. Some of you might remember earlier this year, it was in most of the newspapers, several states, Texas, Alabama, I think Georgia, others, had, had mission teams in Haiti. They had served a week in Haiti, and many of these teams were getting ready to go back home when an outbreak, when the, the city erupted in violence. Because the leaders of, the, of, of that area decided to put a new tax on gasoline and certain foods in Haiti, and the people rebelled. Now, the people of Haiti are very poor. Through the years, there's been a lot of corruption in Haiti. But the people just reacted where it was no longer safe for these mission groups to even get on the highway because they could be stopped and fleeced for money or even hurt or killed. And, and things were very uncertain. As I've read the stories of these mission groups that were out, several of them described this time. They said, you know, we thought, that week in Haiti was a great week, and it was. But they said our mission trip truly began when that outbreak began. Because you know what happened? Even though that during that week they depended upon God, but during that week when they were told, stay put, don't go out of your compound. Be careful, don't go on the highways. Can you imagine being in a foreign country? can't leave the compound that you're in. The people that do, that do work for you or the people that are at the compound is telling you of the danger. Can you imagine that? But then several of them said that were on the mission team said that's when we realized the power of the Word of God. And we realized what prayer could do. You see, what's happened in America sometimes is that things have worked out so much that we forget to see that the most powerful weapons we have is the Word of God and prayer. We bypass them sometimes. We don't think that they're important, but let me tell you, get in trouble when we realize how important they are. Well, that should be every day. The Word of God and prayer are the most effective weapons we have today as children of faith. And even Abraham's men, they were armed, but they also saw the importance of looking to the Word of God. There's a song that we sing that includes where it says, Put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. You know, we need to see in life that we need to put on the full armor of God. Many times we get up during the day and we think, well, you know, I, I don't need to do that. But, you know, many times we miss out. And so the, the, the men of Abraham, there was a time of war, and so they, they, they were getting prepared. But, you know, also it's very important to be trained. You know, you might have the weapons, but do you know how to use them? You know, we come each Sunday to worship. And I believe that each Sunday should be a time of training. But if we come here just to say, well, okay, I've been here this Sunday and we check it off. And we've just put in another day. Then that day really hasn't meant anything and we haven't learned anything and we haven't been trained to defeat the enemy. 
You see, Abraham's men had been trained for battle. They, they, they learned the importance of prayer to recognize the enemy, how to be followers of Jesus Christ, to, to better know our Bibles. You see, those are things that, that we need to do, to learn our Bible, to be better equipped to fight the battles before us. But another thing that Abraham learned in his men was that they believed in their leader. Now the men of Abraham looked to Abra- the men of Abraham looked to him as their leader. And they were going against four kings that had just five kings, but they put their faith in their leader. You know, guys, today we need to put our faith in God. Amen. Where do we put our faith? We need to put our faith in God. We need to say, He is our leader. No other. He is our leader. Like a mighty army moves the church of God. We need to realize the importance of believing in our leader. We also need to be united. What if we're an army, but we can't agree? Says, well, no, we should go this way. No, we should go this way. No, we shouldn't do this. You see, another thing about Abraham's group was that they were united behind one leader. In our world today, Christians, we are not united in Jesus Christ. We have allowed so many things to to separate us, but we need to see that we need to be united. We also need to be single-minded. We need to realize what the main purpose is, and the main purpose is Jesus Christ. And so as as we look at this and we see the direction that we need to go, these people were doing that, and then their achievement was that they were able to overcome those four kings and get what? Now, I don't know what Lot thought when, his, when Abraham came and rescued him and, and brought him back and he was now safe. What it should have done for Lot is that it should have brought him to repentance. Have you ever been lost and didn't know where you were going, but you knew where you were going led to nowhere. But by a saving miracle, someone comes and rescues you. You see, that's what Jesus does. He rescues the perishing. He cares for the dying. That's what Jesus does. And what we should do is to repent. But you know what Lot did? He had the opportunity to repent. He had been saved. But all he did was return to Sodom. You see, the hooks of this world can be so strong. He chose to go back to sin. Now, that's a crying shame, but it happens, doesn't it? It shows us the stronghold of sin today. That's why we should be in prayer even more to break that stronghold of sin. But then Abraham After he was the watcher and after he was the one at war, the warrior, he also now became a worshiper. Now there in chapter chapter 14 and verses 17 and 18, we find now that two kings approach him, the king of Sodom and Melchizedek. Two kings approach him. The king of Sodom was saying, look, you, you take all the possessions, but I want the people. I want the people. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, says, 
I want to offer you wine and bread. Now we see something new taking place. You know what Abraham did? Abraham took this opportunity to worship. You know, sometimes after a great victory, we forget what God has done. I don't know why, but we do. If you remember Elijah in the Old Testament, he had this great victory over the prophets of Baal. God moved in a mighty way, but it was almost like the next day he forgot what God can provide. You see, Abraham, after this great victory, he knew that it was God's hand that he was able to travel 120 miles, approach these four kings, overcome, get what he needed to get, and go back. And what did he do? He worshipped his God. You see, if we have a victory, we need to be careful here. We need to make sure we worship God and give God all that is due him. The king of, 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 of Sodom basically was representing the dominions of this world. And he just wanted to keep that. But Melchizedek means the king of righteousness, peace. He wanted to take the world but give it to Jesus in the sense that he was looking for peace. Now there's some interesting things and if I had more time I could go into them. But if you ever want to do a study on King Melchizedek. Great study to do. Second thing, what did Abraham do? He looked at King Melchizedek, and he accepted the wine and the bread, but then he gave him a tenth, the first time the tithe is mentioned in the Bible, giving back. In other words, Abraham, you know what Abraham said? He said, I do not want to become rich by the world, but I will become rich by God. You know, in our world today, there's a lot of people who are trying to gain riches of this world. But what good are they going to do? They think, well, I, I can think of a lot of things, preacher, they, they'll be good for. But when this earth ends, what good will they be? But the riches of God are not bound by the boundaries of just this earth, but of next. Abraham was looking to God. He knew God loved him. He wanted to acknowledge God's greatness and his goodness. And his contrast, you know, he, he was just looking to God and, 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 and he said, if God blesses me, then I will be the rich man. Not thinking of material things, but of what God can do. Dawn, I found a place for you and Preston to go. I think it's, I think it's over in, what's in Europe? It's a hotel. $10,000 a night. <laughs> I, I told Preston she should go for a couple nights. Now, for a lot of us, we think of a hotel room, $10,000 a night. I don't know what's going through your mind. Many of you are going, preacher. But you know, this place stays booked. And many of you probably think, I know what I can do with $10,000. You know, for some people, that's, that's man, if, if that's achievement. That means I've accomplished something. Does it? What does that mean? You see, we're putting the importance upon material and flesh 
And we have forgotten about the riches of God. How do you take the riches of this world and the riches of God? There's many would say, well, give me the riches of this world. And some would say, I need the riches of God. What are we striving after? You know what? You're striving on one or, one or the other. God's riches never ends. Amen? They never, never end. The riches of this world can vanish in a moment. In a moment, they can vanish. You see, this morning, I pray that we would see the importance as our faith grows by the challenges we face, we can experience the victory of God and the victory in our lives. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this day. And Lord, I just ask that you would lead us. And Lord, I just pray that we would see that we can experience a true victory by allowing our faith to grow in you. Lord, I ask that in your Son's name. Amen.